0: And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Yes! Okay, so today we continue on. Uh, herbs A to Z. Well, herbs on the shelf. Uh, <laughs> approximately A to approximately Z. And this time we are reaching the end of the top shelf. Yes! Mm-hmm. Yes!
0: The yes. next podcast is going to start the second shelf. That's very, very <laughs> exciting. Yes. We've done a whole shelf, y'all.
1: Pretty good. All right, so today we're going to be talking about irigaron and eupatorium, uh, perhaps more Englishly known as fleabane and bone set. Yeah. Those are our herbs for today. But first, the reclaimer. That's where we remind you that we are not doctors; we are herbalists and holistic health educators.
0: The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only.
1: We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So keep in mind that we're not attempting to present a single dogmatic right way that you should adhere to.
0: Everyone's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some good ideas to think about and some uh, stuff to research further.
1: Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean you're to blame for your current state of health, but it does mean that the final decision when you're considering any course of action, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always your choice to make.
0: I never understand how I can make mistakes. It's right there on the screen. I don't know, man. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, If
1: you uh, heard a little floppy sound there, that was Elsie uh, shaking her head.
0: Yeah, it's funny because as we settle in to start the pod, all the animals... Make their way in and settle down.
1: So Ethelcat has arrived in my lap, and we are ready to go.
0: We're ready to go. Elsie's here beside me. Hey, Fleabane. Wait, no. Before we start, I did just want to mention the Herbal Study Tips course.
1: Herbal Study Tips. Herbal
0: Study Tips available now. So uh, this this episode of the Holistic Herbalism Podcast is sponsored by me and also Rin and everyone else here and our very cool new free course you can get it for free you don't need to put in a credit card anything else Uh, it's called herbal study tips you'll find it at are you ready you ready online.commonwealthherbs.com and it has all kinds of cool activities that will help you whether you are taking courses with us or at any other herb school or even if you're just learning from books and your own experience and whatever um, it will really help you to translate what you're learning into like real tangible knowledge instead of just sort of abstract concepts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I hope you love it and you should go get it right now. You can get it while we're talking
1: actually. Yeah. You've got time. Yeah. com, herbal study tips. It's free. It's for you. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> okay then. So for real this time. Fleabane.
0: Fleabane.
1: Fleabane. So these are... This is the um, the genus Erygaron, and uh, we've worked with uh, Canadian fleabane and daisy fleabane and possibly a couple of other species, because sometimes they're a little hard to tell apart.
0: Yeah, sometimes they, they do get a little...
1: It, it's It's not quite as... It's as, uh, intense as goldenrod.
0: <laughs> right. Those are, those can be very hard. I mean, sometimes you can really tell them, but sometimes they're hard to tell apart. Fleabane, the two, so the, the, this is an aster family plant and the two most common ones that you'll see, one is Daisy fleabane. And that is the one that has a long, tall, Single stem and towards the top, it may branch a couple times, but it has those daisy like flowers that have the eyelash petals, like really, they really look like eyelashes, white eyelashes around the yellow center. Whereas Canada fleabane, um, which is honestly the one that I prefer to work with. I I have to say it, it looks like a horsetail upside down. Really like, or like, you know what it looks like? It looks like when, no, this is what it looks like. It looks like when a cat is like really angry or scared and they puff their tail out. That's what it looks like. So it is a single stalk, but the Daisy Fleabane doesn't get the flowers until the tippy tippy top. Whereas the Canada Fleabane it goes up a little way and then it sort of brushes out with these petioles. That's the stem that the actual flower is on. And they are all the way around the plant, like fairly uniformly so that you you have this stock and then this like poof, like a brush, like a like a, you know, a bottle brush, like you're going to scrub out your water bottle or something. And then the flowers are very, very small daisy kind of flowers just very very small Um, and sometimes it's even easier to identify this when it's too late Um, like once it's gone to seed because then all those little flowers become tiny little like pom poms of tufty seed parachutes you know like just like a dandelion gets that globe of, of seed parachutes um all of the all of the um aster family plants do that yeah. um to different extents and so Eryguron, the canadensis does this and it can it can be easier sometimes to identify at that point. Now, of course, at that point, that's no longer really what we want to harvest to work with medicinally. However, at that point, you can grab seeds, bring them home, put them in your own garden or just a bucket of dirt. Honestly, they will grow anywhere. and um, And then you will have your own uh, right yeah,
1: there. yeah, that was something I wanted to to bring up about fleabane is that this is very easy to grow, and it's one that I would encourage people to put in their like their like garden of feral plants. Yeah, you know, so we we do this. Um, we, we've done this a few times, but having having a garden bed or a, or like a half of the of the growing space, not so much for like cultivated vegetables and even. Um, you know, specifically cultivated herbs or whatever, but to say, all right, well, if I just let this be a vacant lot, I would end up with fleabane and goldenrod and maybe nettle and mugwort and evening primrose like crazy. Mm. And I'm going to intentionally gather some of those seeds and plant them in this good garden soil and give them a little extra love. And wow, they shoot up. Yeah. They become large and and giving and enormous. And it's just great. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, And fleabane really also like it's drought tolerant. It's Mm. uh, it's drought tolerant in New England. I'm not certain that it would be like drought tolerant in Arizona, (laughs) but, but in terms of like, if you live in a, in a reasonably temperate place and you are going through a drought, like you won't lose the fleabane. Um, it's really, really super hardy. Don't honestly don't have to Pay much attention to it at all. It really just does its thing. Mm. Um, I mean, you should pay attention to it just because it's a cool plant. And you can get to know it, and that's fun. But you know, if you go on vacation, it's not going to die. Don't worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, you know, this herb is really similar to goldenrod in a number of ways. Mm. Uh, the the growing environments that it likes are similar. Um, the you know kind of like sunlight exposure and, and moisture content and all all that they you often find them growing right next to each other uh, yeah. in our in our neck of the world
0: yeah it really <laughs> it likes it likes all the sun it's just very you know it's even happy on the side of the road where the asphalt is hot and everything like it doesn't yeah. matter
1: right but it's also like goldenrod in terms of medicinal activity um, and even even flavor you know so okay so some... fle- flea bane has a uh, a, a warmth to it. Um, uh, it's like the aromatic type of warmth that, mm-hmm. that you also get in goldenrod or in say yarrow, something like that. Uh, there's a, a lot of dryness to this herb. It's, it's for sure a diuretic and a fluid mover and drainer.
0: It has, it has astringency, like real astringency to it. Yeah. That I mean,
1: tonifying quality would be the third one, right?
0: Yeah. Like goldenrod has that fluid movement and stuff like that too. And it is also drying, but if you tasted them, like in a taste test, next to each other, the Irigaron is quite a lot more astringent.
1: Yeah, like you need to select all of your golden rods and then find the more astringent ones, and then you're like moving into fleabane territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just because golden rods vary a lot, you know, in their in their flavors and all that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, I... and and vulnerary qualities too. Right? Yeah. Um, topically on on wounds and, and scrapes and so on, but also internally. And I think that internal vulnerary effect is one of the major things that we've called on uh, fleabane for when we've included it in formulas.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tend to work with Irigaron for digestive tract stuff, and that really starts in the mouth. Um, this is a plant that I worked with a lot when I had braces, um, a few years back, you know, just to deal with the, the wounds that happen in your mouth because the brackets scratch up your cheeks and stuff. Um, and so right, like right from the very top, uh, it's very, very helpful. But then all the way down, especially if you're a person who is prone to like, uh, a little too much dampness in the gut, um, like a little stagnancy, but not stagnancy that is dehydration. Right. So if you're a person who tends tends towards constipation because you are dehydrated, then rigoron might not be the best plant to work with. Yeah. But if you're a person who tends towards constipation because you're super stagnant, you're not a dry person, but sometimes... Maybe you just ate some foods that aren't food for you, like more of a you know, cold pattern than, like, a,
1: than a dry or a tense pattern.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in that case, then then it can be really helpful. But even if you like I, I wanted to make the distinction around constipation because a lot of digestive stagnancy and a lot of digestive cold damp pattern can include constipation, but it isn't necessarily dry constipation. It's it's stagnant constipation Mm -hmm. um well okay you know you're listening to an herbal podcast so you're not like shocked to hear people talking about poop but it's also not like the most fun thing to listen to on a podcast so whatever anyway we're differentiating our constipation here (laughs) um and and so but but when that issue is aside and either it isn't a factor or it's not like just the most important thing, we're really talking about just bogginess in the gut. So if you deal with a bunch of bloating or like constant bloating, it isn't even really bloating. It's just, there's just a lot of fluid in your belly. I mean, it is bloating, but we think of the word bloating like, culturally as something transient like i ate and now i am bloated and then it will go away Mm. and so i'm kind of more talking about like if you just sort of always have that a bunch of extra fluid in your middle that's what i'm trying to say
1: yeah yeah try some flea yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh we like it as tea primarily um, and again, it's easy to dry your own, you know, a dehydrate helps, of course. But... You,
0: you can't buy it anyway. Yeah. Like you, you need to dry your own. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. It's sort of, sort of why it came to mind in that, in that like feral garden idea. Cause Ooh. you know, we put, uh, uh, certainly the evening primrose in there in, in particular to, to have that homegrown and, and because you can't really buy it easily other places. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the others, like the mugwort, you know, that's easy to buy, but man, if you grow your own. Oh, it's so much better.
0: <laughs> it's really So nice. much better. Yeah. Um, a rigor you know, if you're gonna dehydrate it, uh, this is very similar to goldenrod. Um, and you know, in the, in the materia medica course that we have, I've got pictures in there about what the goldenrod should look like when you harvest it. And I don't actually have a picture like that of fleabane, but I'll get one this year when it gets to that point. I'll take one and I'll add it in there. I'll make myself a note. Um, but, uh, But they look the same when you harvest them. And so it is like before the flowers, you know, normally if you're harvesting something and you want the flowers to be part of the medicine, you would harvest it at the point at which the ha- the flowers are the most beautiful or like just one moment before that is true
1: yeah they're they're mostly if not quite all the way open mm-hmm. their color is good and strong scent is strong if there is scent yeah
0: yeah and so that's not going to be true for irigorrn it's not true for goldenrod either and the reason is because if if you wait until those flowers are open and lovely, when you try to dry them, the flowers will immediately go to seed and you'll get those fluffiness. Like it, it, it happens so fast. Um, and so you'll like load up your dehydrator with these beautiful flowers and you'll come back to it and it will be all dandelion fluff. Like, except it won't be, it'll be a fluff, but whatever. <laughs> and so the point here is that you need to harvest it when um when the flowers are in fact just not quite open like they're formed but they're still in there you know what i mean like like they're just tomorrow they're going to pop but not today mm-hmm. that's when you want them yeah and and the the reason is because that way when you dry them they won't fluff up or they will but like just a tiny tiny bit instead of fluff everywhere. (laughs) Listen, if you dry your stuff and it is 100% fluff everywhere, don't throw it away. Yeah, make tea out of it Still make tea with it. That's fine. It's not as good, but it is not bad. Yeah. So absolutely don't waste it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that factor is all about the, the actual flowering part and... You know, fleabane can make a lot of flowers, but it's not like goldenrod, (laughs) you know, where it's just so much flower all in that one spot. Yeah. Um, Like when we harvest the fleabane, we tend to, to take kind of the whole aerial portion all at once.
0: Yeah. Way more of the leaf than is my preference for goldenrod. Listen, you know, the leaves of goldenrod are fantastic, but I prefer to work really just with the flowers. With a rigoron that's not the case. It really is flower and leaf. 50 50 or maybe even more leaf than flower Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: Yeah. the leaves have a little heat to them yeah just like just a maybe not as much as arugula but like just a smidge of definitely more than goldenrod does Mm. but maybe not quite like not as much as a really spicy arugula like Mm -hmm. some arugula is kind of just not even really worthy of the word spicy so maybe you know, but
1: this is this is not. Uh, if it's rocket, then it's like uh, the one you made in science class in middle school, <laughs> as opposed to the uh, yeah the, uh, Apollo stages and yeah. Right, right. right.
0: <laughs> this is like this is uh, our scale of of green leafy vegetables. You know, like <laughs> with the chili pepper scale on it. Yeah, <laughs> except for it's gonna be rockets instead yeah. of chili peppers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you guys. Y'all get it right people because people call
1: arugula rocket sometimes. Yeah,
0: so. yeah, yeah. I think in in Britain maybe that's where they yeah. say that the most. Right. Okay, anyway, that was that was a funny joke. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you can tell it's funny when you have to explain it. <laughs> um, fleabane, fleabane. You know the name is maybe worth commenting on. Um, so. Fleabane is one of the, one of several herbs that has a tradition as a strewing herb, and that means you throw it on the ground and stomp all over it, um, or you know have it in the house and put it in places. Yeah, like rushes,
0: you know, to cover the dirt of the floor. Yeah,
1: and the idea is that uh, as you stomp upon uh, the fleabane, it releases some of those volatile oils that give it the scent and give it that warmth you're talking about, um, and that the the little bugs and bitey critters and all that they don't like that smell, so they go away mm-hmm um, we have not covered the entire floor of our apartment in a plant matter that way, I suppose, except for when we're working with the dehydrator that uh, sort of happens. For that, is,
0: that does actually <laughs> but then we put like a sheet down and yeah then, yeah so know, it we don't just, like get into the carpet we, we don't really <laughs>
1: stomp on our plant material like it's grapes for wine or whatever. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, uh, I have done something like that when we went to the woods and we were coming back and we had the dog. And just, like, oh, before we jump in and drive home, let's, like, chop down some goldenrod and fleabane and crush it up a bit, throw it in the back of the car. and uh... Yeah,
0: there was that time that she was really <laughs> kind of, I don't know, we combed her a couple of times. Usually, like, I bring a tick comb the, or a flea comb in the car and, like, try to get the ticks off and whatever. Mm-hmm. That was a, that one time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, just to mention that as, as part of the history of the herb and, and for the name of it.
0: You know... One other thing that I want to include in here before we move on, and sorry, we kind of went out of order with this because I was talking about digestive health and then we were talking about other fun things and now we're back to digestive health. Um, but that, that astringency plus the vulnerary action really makes fleabane an excellent candidate for including in your gut heal tea, especially if you are dealing with um, like mm, insult to the intestinal tract so you know any kind of situation where you know that there's irritation and potential mm, ulceration yes but it doesn't have to be all the way to ulceration it can be the thing that is between ulceration and irritation yeah it doesn't have
1: to be like like a quarter sized patch of the intestines that are like totally worn away and right right like, right like you burned a cigar through it or whatever <laughs> you yeah know, like yeah there's there's like low grade more distributed damage and inflammation that can happen yeah
0: right 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 so I think like ulcerative colitis is a thing and yeah. it's diagnosable and and whatever but like you don't have to have that to have damage to the inside of the intestine and you Mm. can kind of think about it like if you have really dry skin and then it starts to crack and you can see the like red lines um but just imagine that on the inside of you on your intestinal tract
1: right and that may not and and if we were choosing fleabane this wouldn't be where there was dryness in the intestines um it'd be more appropriate where there's dampness you know,
0: right? But, but, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was just trying to the, make the, a description. And there's like the
1: like the laxity and the compromise of the intestines, and that often manifests with diarrhea. Like if somebody has IBSD, you know, IBS with diarrhea. So there's spasm, there's discomfort, there's you know that water loss and everything. Um, Fleabane would be a good a good choice for that. We may formulate it with other things for the individual, but um, it would certainly be one of our candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, so just to to kind of think in those terms. But I don't, I, I just don't want um, anybody to get hung up on the, the word ulcerative as like, well, that's part of a diagnosis and more to keep it like as an adjective of like, there's some amount of damage here and it might be a lot and it might just be a little bit, but, but it's more than just woogie guts. It is like, there is actually some damage to the wall of the Mm -hmm. intestines that that is a really Mm -hmm. awesome time to work with a And, and again, you could just include it in with your calendula and plantain and catnip and chamomile and ginger and funnel and whatever else you would put into your gut heel.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right. So those are some thoughts on fleabane and you know, it's, it's like, we've been saying it's less common than certain other medicinal herbs that are quite similar. So if you have worked a bunch with goldenrod or, or with yarrow, um, and that's a a type of herb and a flavor of herb and a set of actions that you enjoy or that your body needs. Then I would really urge you to experiment with irigaron and mm-hmm. see how that feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about bone set.
0: I love bone set. Um, I love bone set, but I I kind of want to start with um. I, the paralysidine alkaloid issue. Let's get that out of the way in front. It, but, right. <laughs> I want to get it out of the way. That's the thing, because I sure. really do love set so much. And um, so they're working now on the third edition of the Botanical Safety Handbook. And I know that in that edition, they're going to change their recommendation around Boneset. Um, and I don't think that's wrong. I just... Um, I just want to like talk about the nuance around it um and so we can do that right now
1: yeah so what are we even talking about so pyrrolizidine alkaloids are a particular type of uh constituent that occurs in a number of plants um they occur pretty broadly in the asteraceae um uh, not in every single member of that family but uh, in quite a few of them, they, they show up. And there's, within the group of PAs, pyrolyzidine alkaloids, there are there are subsets. Uh, there are some that are what's called saturated, and those are not very dangerous. Um, and then there are unsaturated PA, and those are more dangerous because they're more reactive. And the the kind of problem that this compound causes is that if you have an herb and you make tea of it or you eat it, you digest it, it moves through your system, and it comes to your liver. And there, um, especially those unsaturated PAs, uh, they can interact with um, actually the DNA in your, in your liver cells and cause damage to it. Um, and this is occurring only in the course of what would normally be called detoxification or biotransformation, uh, where your body is, uh, you know, the usual way we describe that process is your body is taking a foreign substance, breaking it down or combining it with something else to make it no longer dangerous and help you to get it out of the system. The trouble is that this particular type of chemical, it reaches that point, and instead of becoming inert, it becomes dangerous. And this is why the damage from the PAs happens in, the, in your liver. It doesn't happen in your stomach or kidney or whatever else happens in the liver. Okay, so um, in bone set particularly, uh, what we understand about the PAs so far is that there are some. <laughs> uh, they're in there. Um, They're relatively small amounts, especially compared to this, what we'd call like the serious PA herbs like comfrey, especially Russian comfrey um, and uh, ragwort, uh, senecio species um, in uh, in Coltsfoot, Tessalago species. There are some concerning PAs there. Um, but the ones in Boneset are not that dangerous by comparison, <laughs> all right? Uh, Lisa Ganora, in the second edition of her book, Herbal Constituents, she wrote that the ones found in set are the least dangerous type of the unsaturated PA. So that that is a group of concern, Yes. But within that group, there's there's been like a scale, a spectrum, you know? right? Like this one, senecionine is one of the scarier ones, one of the more dangerous ones. The ones that occur in PA uh, in in bone set here, they're the the less scary, the less likely to be causing serious damage. Hmm. But all that said, uh, we're not going to be like, oh, great, now I can have as much bone set as I want.
0: Well, kind of. Maybe we-
1: as much as I. As want. I want.
0: right kind of we are because bone set, <laughs> but not set... like
1: unlimited amounts, or we're we're certainly not going to be eating bone set as a vegetable.
0: Yeah, no, it's not <laughs> delicious. It's super, super bitter. You really can't take very much at a time, and so that's that's a second factor in the 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 sort of dangerous scale here is that it is of all the perillizidine alkaloids that have potential to do harm, it has the least potential. Um, and then there are also pyrrolizidine alkaloids that do not have the potential to do harm. We're not talking about those. We're talking about right. the ones that can actually hurt you.
1: Right, right. Like there's, like there's some PAs in echinacea, but nobody's worried about them. They're right. not, they're not the kind that can cause any problems.
0: Right. You know, we hear about pyrrolizidine alkaloids in the Borage family too. That is actually where people may be more familiar with pyrrolizidine pyrely- alkaloids, like in Comfrey and stuff. And... Pulmonaria, lungwort, is in that family, but lungwort has a completely non-threatening type of PA. That one is is fine, whereas comfrey, for example, has one of these unsaturated listening alkaloids. Yeah,
1: so you can see there's wide variation here, right? Yeah.
0: Okay, so bone set has the least harmful of the harmful kind. <laughs> However, when we work with bone set, we you, you just don't take very much, even, even if you're working with tincture, which honestly is my preferred way to work with it. You're going to take like half a dropper full a couple of times a day for a couple of weeks. And that's going to be the end of it. Where whereas the place where we would expect to see a real problem is like when people make those comfrey drinks and they like drink a whole quart of it every day. Okay. Well, that's now we're in an area where we could see some problems, but a half a tincture full, I mean a half a dropper full or even a dropper full of tincture once or twice a day for a couple of weeks. The exposure that you're getting is so small that unless somebody really had liver compromise already, I would not feel any particular concern working with bone set,
1: yeah, 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 so you know when we're working with this, we could say as a guideline that we're gonna take short courses with the herb, like you say, relatively small doses two to four weeks maximum, right? And then take at least that much time or even more time than that off mm-hmm. before you return back to this one.
0: Which also, bone set's not an everyday kind of herb anyway. Mm-hmm. It's it's an herb that we really only turn to when we need it. Now, when we need it, we really really kind of need it. But then you're done with it and you don't come back to it again until like next year when you get that really bad flu or whatever. You know, it's it's just not an everyday herb like nettle or chamomile or catnip or yeah. whatever.
1: There have been a couple of times that there have been like proposed, uh, you know, uh, situations to work with boneset longer term, um, for some nerve health things and this and that, but yeah. Um, but there's other agents that are much safer. And so if, if we were like, Oh, I want, I want to regenerate myelin sheath, And we've heard that set has some capacity to do that. There's some evidence for it. That's cool. But it's going to be safer to do that with lion's mane mushroom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and honestly, there's better evidence for it. So
0: yeah, I mean, I have included bone set in formulas that way, but in part of a big rotation of formulas. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Oh, okay, today we're gonna to have this, and tomorrow we're gonna to have like especially I have even put it in tea that way cuz uh, you know in a formula with a bunch of better tasting herbs a little tiny bit of bone set isn't going to make the formula unpalatable um but so I might do that and then so today we'll have that tea but then we won't have that tea again for a while mm-hmm. um or maybe it you know sometimes it's a little bit of bone set tincture and another day it's some golden uh, or some lion's mane and another day it's some st john's wort and it, you know intentionally rotating a lot not just that you're not having the bone set too frequently although yes but because you want multiple mechanisms of actions yeah. so that you are having this sort of broad spectrum rebuilding approach um and you know, like you have a whole team of herbs who are helping you instead of just one action over and over again. Right. Uh, right. Yes.
1: Yeah, um, but you know, the more more traditional indications for the herb are acute, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even including, you know, if you're if you're doing Thomsonian herbalism, uh, then you may you may uh, run out of lobelia someday and need another emetic herb to make your friends vomit. Well, you know? Uh, it's, so <laughs> it's so bitter. For your fun and profit, it's
0: so bitter. Yeah,
1: bonsai bonsai is it's bitter enough that it can make you make you feel nauseous if you take too much all at once. It can um, uh, also get things flooding out of the other end of you um, <laughs> uh, if it, you if you take it uh, too much, especially as cold tea. That might be the direction that it moves in.
0: Yeah, the uh, technical term for that is purgative. Mm. Uh, and cathartic.
1: Cathartic. Yeah. Uh,
0: so you can, you know, you can have your directions there. Mm You (laughs) know,
1: you're up and out, down and
0: out. Yeah, (laughs)
1: exactly. Yeah. So those effects come if you take large doses of the herb, Mm -hmm. you know, which for some people could be an entire mug of strong bone set tea or, you know, a tablespoon of tincture all at once that might get you.
0: Honestly, I, that's like one of those Challenges that they tell people to do because you can't do it. Yeah, like go ahead, drink a whole mug of boneset tea. Like you can't actually do it. You know, we
1: say that, but then I remember, uh I remember Annette. Uh, she was a student of ours, like way back uh, when I was just getting started, and <laughs> you were only twelve years into the game. Um, <laughs> but uh, this was a student who was doing an over the month uh, in one of our programs and chose bone set. And I think she, I didn't, I don't know if she did a whole quart every day. We could check, but. Uh, Yeah, a lot like cups and cups.
0: She did. She did drink a a surprising amount there for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Surprising in that I was shocked that she was able to. Yeah. But uh, she, you know, I I kind of file that under that. I think that chaparral makes a delicious tea. Like (laughs) there's always there's always that potential for real weird stuff. And uh, obviously, I, I just want to be clear. Don't drink chaparral tea um, often because it's really rough on your liver.
1: Hey, don't take bone set every day for a month either. Honestly, like yeah. know, at the time we didn't know about the PA issue in bone set and uh, yeah,
0: no, we it do. wasn't, It was,
1: yeah. So we would, wasn't we would, thinking. you know, if a student wants to work with this herb for herb of the week or herb of the month, we would find other methods to do it, you know, take it for a week, take a week off. Yeah. Uh,
0: and to be clear, it did not hurt her. No, like no, no. like she's, she's still perfectly happy and, and Living a good life, and if you, if you were really going to do that, then just take some milk thistle with it. You know, like it's not, <laughs> it's not like that's going to automatically decapacitate your liver. It's not right, like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it's
0: just that it's it's a real strain on the liver. And if you really did do it every day forever, yeah, okay, now we're going to start to get into some problems.
1: Right. I mean, but... even the cases of people taking stronger PA, more dangerous PA herbs, it's like they ate it every day for a month or three months or. Like a whole season, you know, something like that. And that's really, really different from from what I'm describing here with an herb with smaller content, less dangerous constituent type. Like, okay, we've given all our caveats now.
0: (laughs) One of the problems with PAs and the damages that PAs can do is that you can't really see them from the outside. And so it's a kind of a silent damage kind of thing. And so you... You, you can't really know if it's happening to you until it becomes really, really severe. But that's also a good thing in terms of um, if, if you did, like, oops, I had bone set as an herb of the month and I drank it every day. Okay, listen, you didn't do the damage overnight. So just now work with St. John's wort or milk thistle or calendula or or plantain or any of your Mm. hepatoprotective herbs for a couple months. And it's, it's not irreparable. You can't ever fix it kind of stuff. It's just.
1: Right. We don't want anybody to be scared by this. Right, 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 right. Um, And we're just trying to practice as safely as possible. And so when we're thinking about uh, these kind of herbs over the long term, we're just trying to be clear about what's uh, to be considered safe. Yeah. Safe work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So. Well, if we if we don't uh, hurt our livers, and if we don't make ourselves vomit, and if we don't do the other thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 But but so to be clear, uh, some tincture every day for a couple of weeks um, in an acute sort of situation, totally fine. I have zero concerns about safety with that, and. I just recently really depended on that actually.
1: Well, not just you, but we had, uh, I, I got, I got like half of my family taking bone set for, <laughs> for a minute there.
0: Right. <laughs> there. Well, yeah. Your mom had a, had a lung thing that we weren't really sure if it was a COVID variant or if it wasn't and or what it was, there. but she was real sick for a while. And then your dad got it and they both were so excited about the bone set. Um, and, then we we got um and i I have to say that bone set really helped a lot in um dealing with that and recovering from that in a way that was very noticeable in a way that like um i'm trying to describe how overt how obvious it was that it was helping like you could see a difference in about 20 minutes after I took it, it was just like, whoa, to just totally different things going yeah. on now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, bone set has a, a very long history um, of being taken for these purposes for when there's an ongoing, uh, well, today we'd call it a viral infection, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> uh, or also lingering effects afterwards. But if we start with while it's, while it's acute or while it's still going on, Um, Bone set is particularly indicated when there is a bone ache, when there's that feeling of soreness that's, like, down at the bone level. Um, And that can happen in in viral infections, especially ones that demand fever from the body or or to which the body responds with fever. Mm. Uh, Because that can really use up a lot of your proteins. And especially if you're not hungry for several days, you know, like a lot of people get this bone ache because... The body is kind of cannibalizing your muscle tissue for protein mm-hmm. uh, to turn into immune responders and all of that. Um, anyway, when you have that bone ache feeling in the course of a, of a of a respiratory illness, viral illness more more broadly, then bone set is really worth uh, incorporating into your into your protocol.
0: And that really, I think that was, um, you know, the central factor for me with with Omicron. You know, it wasn't there, there wasn't that much coughing. There wasn't, you know, that it was really that intense, intense fever, intense bone pain and muscle pain. Um, and so that really is exactly the textbook time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The herb does have, uh, diaphoretic qualities. It's actually, um, and this one always throws me because I, I, I often like expect bone set to be a cold herb, but in fact, it has warmth. It has pungency, even. Uh, it has it has stimulating qualities. And of course, we think of it as an immune stimulant in in some ways. Mm. Um, but you know, bone set uh, is also a fluid mover. It can move some lymphatic fluid uh, in the system and help that to drain. Of course, there's a connection to immunity there. Mm. Um, and uh, bone set is you know you can consider it one of our alternatives an herb that can improve the circulating fluids part through that draining effect. And then the other part is through that immune stimulation to get that kind of like cleanup, <laughs> you know, Pac-Man, uh, eating up detritus and all of that in the, in the immune system.
0: You know, I want to write or something about immune stimulant mm-hmm. because that word is so frequently employed And it's almost always kind of militaristic in its description of what's going on. Like, put your immune system on the attack, you know, like whatever. Yeah. And since it is almost always militaristic, I kind of want to categorize the different plants that fall into that category as different parts of the military system. So not everything in the military is about attacking things, right? Some stuff in the military is about feeding people.
1: The the army marches on its stomach, right?
0: Right, and and about like even uh, you know maintenance of equipment mm-hmm. and making sure that you know where the things are and you ship them to the right place and all that kind of stuff, all that logistical support, and um, bone stuff falls into that category set isn't really like it's not like an a, an herb with tiny guns <laughs> that's gonna go shoot at other like it's gonna it's not gonna kill all the viruses itself it is
1: right yeah it's not like a major antimicrobial agent you know right right it's right a... it's not
0: like you're doing a time steam and the, and like each little time molecule is like attacking a little a little pathogen molecule right there in your respiratory tract, because it really does have antimicrobial action. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes I say, I compare time steams to like herbal Lysol and every time I do it, Ren cringes, but um, sometimes I do it anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like germ, germ killing action. Boneset's not like that. Set is like really about making sure that, the places in your body where you are doing the logistical support for your own immune system, that those parts of your body are functioning well.
1: And which parts of our body are we thinking about? Bone Bone marrow, yeah, Yeah. where red and white blood cells are born, Mm. and then they got to go out there. Yeah, so bone set is... um, it, it does have a stimulating effect. You will see white blood cell counts rise, for instance, you know, when people take bone set. Yeah, um, but
0: just exactly the same way as in World War II when we increased production of airplanes and aircraft carriers, or did we have those in World War II? I don't know, boats, anyway, yeah, we did. Yeah. ships. And, you know, all those things, and they there's all these statistics about how we went from a whatever economy to a wartime economy, and then we produced, like, an airplane a day or something like that. And, like, listen, y'all, I'm not, like yay war like yay, no yay,
1: military industrial complex no Ooh.
0: absolutely not however this thing <laughs> exists and it, it can can work as a metaphor and we're all in that place when we say immune stimulant anyway so i'm just saying if we're gonna talk about attacking pathogens then i'm gonna i'm gonna call on all the mm. other parts yeah. of the complex right to yes to explain yeah. this action
1: and it is more than direct attack, right? And you've been emphasizing that. But I think a good way to bring that home is to say that this is also helpful in what, what you might call the post-viral moments, right? Or post-viral time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where, okay, you got the flu. You got corona, whatever. You fevered. You sweated. You had snot for a while or you didn't. Whatever your <laughs> symptoms were, right? And now you're mostly on the other side of them. But there's lingering fatigue. There's mm-hmm. a feeling that you're like oh'm'm I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just susceptible to the next thing that comes by like I don't feel like my shields are up, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's a feeling maybe of some lingering aches and soreness uh, that's not going away. other things like that that are hanging on and also like like happened for my my parents the, the other month um there can be that feeling of like I just still have this heaviness in my lungs or like this like slow drip of congestion that keeps coming out, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, come on, I thought I was done with this two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. These are times when bone set can be really, really helpful. And you don't need a lot, you know, 10 drops of tincture taken three or four times a day is a a dosing strategy that, that uh, I I was taught by Paul Bergner Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and I remember it well and, and have turned to that same idea several times since then uh, and found it really helpful.
0: Even I don't take that much. Like I, I, I know that, you know, if you're one of our students or a regular listener of the pod, then you probably are aware that I tend to take higher doses of things than Rin does because my body is sluggish and I, uh, you know, I just typically need a higher dose And so I might take a tablespoon of something and Rin might take a teaspoon of it. that's just because bodies are different. Right. But even for me in, in the fact that I typically take higher doses with bones that I don't like a dropper full, that's enough. I don't, I don't need more than that. It isn't that I'm a, like, I'm not taking only a dropper full because I'm afraid to take anything else. I simply just don't need more. That's, that's just all I need. Yeah. 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 It just doesn't take much.
1: Right. You know, one way that you can take your bone set, maybe, maybe you, you know, you caught the flu, right? Everybody's got the flu. Now you're starting to get sick. You're like, it's the flu. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you may have some elderberry syrup around, um, for such moments. And if so, great. Good job. You got, you got yourself uh, stocked up early. That's great. Uh, what you can do is to take, uh, a shot glass or half a shot of elderberry syrup and then take your bone set and squirt. It, it right into the elderberry syrup
0: mm-hmm.
1: makes um, it much more pleasant half a dropper or one dropper or whatever won't really taste it mm-hmm. with the sweetness from your syrup. So it'll get in. It, it's uh, kind of like a power boost for the, for the elderberry syrup.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that's a, a great way to take it. And, and this would work if you were like, you've got an herb shop you can go to, you can buy elderberry syrup, you can buy bone set tincture, mm-hmm. right? If you make your own, you can get some bone set in there from the beginning. Yep. Right. And we often make not an uh, elderberry syrup, but a winter elixir, which does include elderberry. But this is mainly like a tincture and honey extraction mix.
0: Yeah. So I'll take the elderberries and extract them in honey fresh. And then I will um, take a bunch of herbs that I want to include and tincture them. And then combine those two. And actually, in the cold and flu course mm-hmm. um, on our on our school website, online.com, um, there is a video that shows all the herbs that I put in, the proportions that I put them in to make the tincture, and then to make the elderberry infused honey, and then combine those together. Sometimes I re-tincture the elderberries after mm. I have strained them out of the honey because you, you can still get quite a bit out of them. Um, but, uh, but then I combine that and, and then you get that tincture. And the tincture usually has like a little bone set, some blue vervain because um, I, it's hard for me to rest when I get sick. And so I need an mm-hmm. herb who will help me do that. Yeah. It always has sumac, um, some catnip.
1: If it's been a good St. John's wort year, we'll put some of that in.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, usually some goldenrod, some purple loose strife.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff.
0: Um, who else goes in there? It's a little different every year, but those are the ones that are always in. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you see something and you're like, "Ooh, that looks really good." One year I put a bunch of nettle seed in because the nettle seed looked really fantastic. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, oh, yeah. ground ivy. Usually, ground ivy. Yeah, now yeah. listen,
0: ground ivy uh, I tincture much earlier in the year than these other all these other plants that I'm talking about. They're all ready to harvest at about the same time.
1: Yeah,
0: ground ivy is much earlier in the year, and so I tinctured that separately and added in.
1: The St. John's Wort we might tincture earlier, like in the a high little summer, earlier, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then it's kind of towards the the autumn time when the when the golden rods are just about to to fully pop, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's time to harvest them. And the
0: stripe is so pretty.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's our winter elixir, and um, the the bone set does make a big difference, even though you're only putting in small amounts.
0: Yeah, you don't need much. Like in the whole, I'll make a like half gallon of it, and um, I don't know. I put in like. Four flowering tops of set total in the whole half gallon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like there's very much in there, but it, it's enough. It makes a big difference.
1: All right. So that's some thoughts on bane and on set. Next time, we're going to be looking at Meadowsweet and Fennel so oh that's
0: gonna be pretty exciting stay
1: tuned for that two one two
0: plants we love to talk about i mean every single time we say that oh i want to talk about these <laughs> plants yeah yeah
1: it's true every time folks <laughs> <laughs> all right so um we'll be back next time with some more of that until then take care of yourselves take care of each other drink some tea
0: drink some tea
1: and we'll talk to you again soon
0: bye